Welcome to Preston Minster. Find your home, find your purpose, transform your city. Let's jump into this week's talk. So Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is, that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you've pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So Pippa is our preacher for today. Pippa is our student worker here at Preston Minster and also the chaplain at the University of Central Lancashire. Um, Pippa, before coming to the Minster, was in Leicester, but she also studied English and drama at the University of Birmingham. Absolute legend, 
real key part of the team here at the Minster. So would you please give her a warm Preston Minster welcome. Great, thank you, Sam. Well, hello, everyone. It's great to be preaching uh, at the 11 a.m. service this morning. Uh, as Sam said, I have the wonderful joy of leading the student ministry here at the Minster. Uh, I also have the joy of kicking off a brand new series on the book of Jonah. Uh, as Sam said, the book of Jonah is a very short book in the Old Testament. It's only about two pages long. And it's all about a prophet called Jonah who God commissions uh, to go to a very wicked and very sinful city called Nineveh. And he's sent to go there and call the people to repentance. But as the story goes, Jonah refuses and God sends a huge fish to swallow Jonah up for three days. And after three days, he spits him back out and Jonah goes and tells them to repent. So it's one of those wonderful but slightly weird stories in the Old Testament. Not sure how you feel about it. Uh, so why are we doing this series? Why have we picked the book of Jonah? Well, the overarching theme for this book is all about God's incredible mercy. So Sam has given the series a tagline, which is good news for bad people. And the good news is that nobody, not even the worst kind of people, are too far from God's grace and forgiveness. So nobody knows the exact time frame when Jonah was set, but it's thought that Jonah was written in a very dark time in Israel's history. And that would have been like thousands and thousands of years ago. But even today, we don't have to be watching the news for very long to see that sin is still running rampant in society. Stories of murder, war, terrorism, abuse, violent dictatorships, climate disaster are very familiar on our TVs and in our newspapers. And reading and hearing about such like horrendous things going on in the world, we can often actually feel the need for God's judgment. Right? We start thinking like, you know, we, we wish vengeance on these people by any means possible. And we say, surely, like they are too far from God's mercy. But suppose that in the middle of those thoughts, in the middle of your anger and your despair, God called you to share the gospel to the very worst of those offenders. What would you do? Would you go and do it? Or would you say, you know what, God, that's not for me. Send somebody else. Well, that is the task that Jonah was given. And you've probably heard of the story of Jonah and the whale as a child. It's one that I did a lot in school. Um, and as is often the case with children's narratives, they tend to get a little bit, like, trivialized. Um, so I remember when I was in Sunday school, we had to cut out, like, big outlines of fishes and we stuck on like sparkly glitter and pom-poms and beads and like all that lovely kind of stuff. Uh, but the reality of the story is a lot more challenging than that. So as well as addressing sin and our kind of need for, for God's saving, the book of Jonah also asks a lot of big questions about God and about us. For example, if God is a loving father, why does he get so angry at sinful people? Or what happens if I say no to God? Or does God actually want to use me? 
But before we try and answer any of these questions, let's have a quick recap again in what happens in Jonah 1. So God has sent Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach against the city and call it to repentance. But instead, as Sam read, he gets on a boat and he travels as far as he can away from God. So God sends a storm and it hits the boat and the sailors agree that what they're going to do is throw Jonah into the ocean. And that is where the chapter ends. Now, in some ways, I think that Jonah is a little bit overdramatic in the first chapter. I think he's almost like too calm and too willing to just give up his life and just let the sailors throw him in the ocean. Like, he doesn't even want to give it a go. He's not going to try going to Nineveh. He just gives up straight away. And I think, would it not have been easier to at least try, and if it failed, to just say to God, look, I tried, but it didn't work. Send somebody else next time. Well, to give a bit of context, Nineveh uh, was a major city in the Assyrian Empire, which was a great uh, and evil empire. It was Israel's biggest enemy. And in fact, Nineveh was the largest city in the world for about 50 years. So the Assyrian Empire, what they used to do is they used to invade um, neighboring cities and nations and would bring back captives to Nineveh. And there they would treat them with horrendous, like unspeakable cruelty, stuff that I didn't even want to put in my talk, to be honest. Uh, we have another prophet in the Bible who also calls Nineveh the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, and never without victims. So basically, nobody deserved God's grace less than the city of Nineveh. So this powerful and bloodthirsty empire is the place where God sends one man all by himself to go and share the gospel. How terrifying is that? No wonder Jonah was willing to die. And not only would that have been terrifying, but Jonah hated the Assyrians. He didn't want mercy for them. He wanted vengeance. Jonah was from Israel, which was Nineveh's worst enemy. So they wanted nothing less than uh, to share God's grace. Jonah was also a Jew, and Jews at the time had a very strong feeling that God's salvation wasn't for the Gentiles, which was anybody who was a non-Jew. They had a strong sense of like Jewish exclusivity. So they did not want to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. So Jonah gets up and he runs the other way. But in the middle of the mess and in the chaos, God has a plan for Nineveh. And unlike Jonah, God isn't scared. God doesn't look at our sin and recoil and turn the other way, but he has a plan and a desire for our repentance so that he can forgive us and shower us with his mercy. I wonder if you've ever been in a situation like Jonah where you've been asked to do something that you desperately didn't want to do. I remember for me, um, a couple of years ago, I was at my cousin's wedding, which was a lovely day, beautiful occasion. And uh, my auntie and uncle, so her parents, had organized some entertainment for the reception. So they planned like a quiz, um, all kinds of fun things to do. But the main thing was a flash mob which if you know what that is, it's basically where in a room full of people, a couple kind of just stand up and randomly start singing and you're sort of expected to like join in. I don't know, it's, it's really weird. 
Um, so like Jonah, I tried to escape. I did not want to be involved. Uh, my auntie and uncle had asked my family to start the flash mob, which was only four of us. And I was like, yeah, that's not for me. That is the height of embarrassment. <laughs> so at the reception, I was, went to the toilet about five times. Uh, I went to the bar to get drinks that I didn't even drink in the end. I uh, went for a breath of fresh air. Basically did not want to be in the room when the flash mob happened. And it was to the song Dancing Queen by ABBA. And I sat back down and this is what I heard playing. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> there we are. No, I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to sing. <laughs> but I heard that and I knew, right, it's time for me to go. I was sweating. I stood up. I was like, no, I'm sorry. Like, said to my sister, you're in this on your own. And she was elbowing me like, Pippa, stay where you are. Like, if I'm doing it, you need to do it as well. So anyway, I stood up and I joined in and everybody loved it. They enjoyed it so much and they were singing along. Thank you, yeah, I did it. <laughs> everybody loved it. And it shows that actually the things that often we really don't want to do can have the best outcome. Jonah wanted nothing less than to preach the good news to the Ninevites, but God had a wonderful outcome in mind, which was the forgiveness of sins. The wonderful thing about God is he wants to use us to tell people about his mercy. But let me tell you another truth. Like me at the wedding and like Jonah in the Bible, God's own people can also become his biggest obstacle to his purposes in the world. I'll say that again. God's own people can become his biggest obstacle to his purposes in the world. And that doesn't mean that God's not gonna like fulfill his promises, but actually instead of helping out, sometimes we are the ones that are standing in the way of what God wants to do. So because of that, Jonah is a bit like God's anti-hero. So he does say yes, but he does it reluctantly uh, in, the many, in the same way that many of us do as well. We say like, God, yes, I'll do it, but next time can you ask somebody else? Or like, oh, I'll invite them to church, but only if they ask me about it first. And the awesome and scary privilege is that God uses us anyway. Even in our half-heartedness, our insecurity, and I'm sorry to say it, but even in our fear. I'm sure you will have heard of this quote before, but I love it. It says this, it's not about having a big faith in God, but having faith in a big God. God can use us to take his good news, to take his forgiveness to everybody. And he is so passionate about doing it that even running in the opposite direction cannot stop him. So when we're like Jonah and we feel tempted to run the other way or disqualify ourselves, the chances are we won't have it as bad as Jonah. We probably won't be swallowed by a ginormous fish, although you never know. The Bible has shown us that it can happen. Uh, but I think the feeling of being like unfulfilled and unsettled is universal, right? The feeling of disobedience to God, that misery is universal. So we have this good news that God's mercy is for all people. So what does great obedience look like in sharing that message? 
Well, for me, one of the most inspiring stories of obedience is the life of Brother Andrew, who was a Dutch missionary who sadly passed away uh, just last week. And Brother Andrew spent decades of his life smuggling contraband Bibles into many communist countries during the Cold War. And in doing so, his life was often in danger uh, because in many of those countries, owning a Bible was either illegal or it was extremely rare. So Christians would gather in secrecy, often in the dark, in the middle of the night. If they had a Bible, they would bury it in the ground. It was an incredibly difficult time to be a Christian. But time and time again, because of Brother Andrew's great uh, obedience and faithfulness to God, God provided for him in many miraculous ways and enabled him to share the gospel in around 60 persecuted nations. One story in particular that I love is from his book called God's Smuggler. And it's where Brother Andrew is at the border trying to enter Yugoslavia. And he's getting ready to leave and his uh, car is literally overflowing with Bibles. Like he has as many Bibles as he can fit into his car. And this is the first time that Brother Andrew has ever entered a communist country by himself. So his fear level is already extremely high. And at this point, any printed material uh, was likely to be confiscated at the border because it was regarded as foreign propaganda. So that was the rule. And there was Brother Andrew, his car literally bulging full of printed material, like full of Bibles. So he's in his car and he drives toward the border and there's two guards there. And he prays this incredible prayer. He says, Lord, in my luggage, I have scripture that I want to take to your children across the border. When you were on earth, you made blind eyes see. Now I pray, make seeing eyes blind. Do not let the guards see those things you do not want them to see. So armed with that prayer, he approaches the guards and one of them starts poking around in his camping gear in the boots and the other one asks him to take out his suitcase, which Brother Andrew knows is full of Bibles. So he opens the lid and now literally in plain sight, right in front of the guards, are piles of Bibles in all kinds of different languages. And this is what it says in his book. It seems dry for this time of year, I said to one of the guards, and without looking at the guard who was inspecting my suitcase. I told him all about my homeland and how it was always raining. Finally, when I could stand the suspense no longer, I looked behind me. The guard wasn't even glancing at my suitcase. He was listening to our conversation. Well then, do you have anything else to declare? Only small things, I said, for the Bibles were small after all. The guard nodded at me that I could close the suitcase and with a little salute, he gave me back my passport. And with that, Brother Andrew, for the very first time, crossed the border into Yugoslavia. And I think that is such an incredible story of what happens when we're obedient to God and we say yes to taking his good news, either on your doorstep or around the world. And throughout his lifetime, Brother Andrew has helped smuggle millions of Bibles into persecuted countries. So why am I telling you that story? 
Well, the good news is that Brother Andrew is a normal follower of Jesus, just like Jonah, just like you, and just like me. And we all have the exact same good news to share and the exact same God who will enable us to do it. He famously said this quote, God does not call those who are qualified. He qualifies those whom he calls. So when we are tempted, like Jonah, to run away from God or disqualify ourselves, remember the good news that you have to share, that God wants absolutely everyone, even the Ninevites, even persecuted Christians, even your friends and your family members and the people of Preston, to know him and receive his mercy. That is the good news. There's two reasons why I love the book of Jonah. First of all, I love the book of Jonah because it's different to the other prophetic books in the Bible uh, because it focuses on one single prophetic mission of Jonah and it talks a lot more about who Jonah is than the actual words that God is saying. So we have other prophets like Isaiah where we know loads and loads about what God has to say and very little about Isaiah. But with Jonah, we don't really know much of what God wants to say but we know loads about Jonah's response. What we learn is that this call is specifically for Jonah. And when Jonah ran away, God could have easily chosen somebody else to go to the Ninevites, but for whatever reason, it was Jonah that he wanted to share the message, just as it was Brother Andrew who he wanted to smuggle Bibles. I believe that in the same way, God wants to use you specifically in your circle of influence in ways that he's not going to use other people. So how might God be calling you to share his good news today? Or who has God been putting on your heart recently? Or maybe an even more daring question that you want to ask is how have I actually been an obstacle to what God is trying to do? They are some things to think about. But the other reason why I love this book is because it represents in part what we see fully in Jesus. So while Jonah was reluctant to reach the Ninevites with the good news, Jesus willingly came to earth, was rejected and flogged and crucified for our forgiveness. And while Jonah wanted nothing to do with the sins of the Ninevites, Jesus deliberately drew close to us and bore all of our sin and our guilt and our shame on the cross once and for all. And just as God called Jonah to share his good news, Jesus calls us to do exactly the same today. Jesus demonstrates for us the same calling and the same legacy to go into the world, regardless of how we feel, whether we're scared or reluctant, and preach the good news of God's love and mercy everywhere we go. This isn't just good news for bad people, but good news for all people. for listening. Follow us on social media. See you next week.